everybody and thank you for listening to Sober Diaries hosted by me Angus Reynolds. As an ex-drug dealer, former cocaine addict and current sober bar manager, I've seen firsthand the effects of the UK's drink and drug culture and with this podcast I hope to educate and inform my listeners by interviewing people on their experiences with drugs and alcohol and dissecting some of the broader issues surrounding the culture. everybody or good evening if or good afternoon uh, hello everybody we'll start with um, my yeah. guest today is 23 year old uh is a 23 year old actor uh, living in south london and having gone sober over 18 months ago uh he is about to graduate drama school um i'll leave it there and i will ask more direct questions to the man himself so let's talk sobriety with charlie charlie are you there yeah, hi, how you doing, you all right? All good, mate, all good. And this is another glorious day in North London. I can't <laughs> imagine how, how horrible it is down in South London, but um, we'll. <laughs> that's why we've got Zoom and I don't have to go anywhere yeah. near there. Uh, <laughs> um, Charlie, Charlie, as is uh, customary on this podcast, I'd like to ask you, what is your favourite non-alcoholic drink? Um, I'm going to have to go Fanta. Fanta? I absolutely love it. You've... Which cool? Which flavour? Got to go to Twist. The tw- oh, fruit Twist, the red one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a big shout. I cannot. I can't even. I mean, mine is definitely. I guess it depends on the mood, really, because I do love a non-alcoholic beer, a good one. Oh yeah. I, I'm I'm smashing a lot of big drop pale ale at the moment. It's like. Oh yes. I'm real. I'm real. It's the closest thing to having a beer for me. Um, yeah. That I've, I've ever had without having a beer. Um, so yeah. Charlie, we're going to jump jump straight into it, mate. Um, what was life like for you when you were drinking? Um, I think it was just just a bit chaotic, really. Um, yeah, it's in in, a, in like a, a summary one word answer. Yeah, yeah. Like um, when I think back at it, about the time it was like um, you know I was jumping in and out of hospital. I was kind of living a secret life. I wasn't telling every anyone about anything that was happening i was kind of doing everything on my own i wasn't really opening up um and it was just um me hiding away from a lot of things but um equally also thinking i was having like a lot of fun obviously like just um drinking every day and all this sort of thing and trying to be like just reckless and free and all this sort of thing do you know what i mean um so yeah chaotic <laughs> good word um with obviously you were saying kind of trying to have fun or thinking that you're having fun Mm. um so i've been thinking about this as well recently and and had a good few conversations with some other people so obviously we are brought up in this country thinking that drinking is fun and being told that drinking is fun so we then drink because everyone thinks it's fun um and i think that's one of the reasons that you never want to stop or, or or that because you're like, if I'm not having fun drinking, 
but everybody else is. There must be something wrong with me rather than there's something wrong with the drink. So you just yeah. kind of, did you find that with yourself? Yeah, I think absolutely. I think like um, it was also another thing, and I, I think this is maybe, uh, maybe this is generalizing, but for me, like obviously being in a working class background, there's nothing else to do other than maybe drink and socialize. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like I was going on holiday every year and I had other things to maybe look forward to. It was just like being mischievous and like all this sort of thing. That was fun. So if to think about taking that out of my life, um, that's kind of taking all my social kind of um, social behavior out of my life. And then I was just kind of left with nothing. So it was it's harder to kind of co uh, comprehend like sort of um, how life would be after. If, if you were to take drink out. So that's what I, so yes, it was just like, it was almost like, yeah, I'll, I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to stop drinking because, um, what I've got left? fun out of my life. <laughs> yeah. I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I get that a lot, man. Um, so what did make you stop drinking? You, it's 18, is it, was I right? 18 months sober now? Yeah. Roughly. Yeah. 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 It seems crazy. Um, 18 that's months. Mad, isn't it? Yeah. Mad. Um, and I think, uh, what what made me stop? I think initially it was um, with me. I've got a lot of like uh, underlying health conditions, such as like type one diabetes and Crohn's, and um, like so some intense, intense, <laughs> intense stuff. That it's not, yeah. you know, it's, it's it's not just like a little thing. Yeah, yeah, not a little thing at all. It's like you know, I've got these long lasting conditions uh, yeah. on my body, and then obviously my mental health and stuff, and they all kind of just accumulated to like. Um, hitting at one point um basically I, I basically it was just like a little simmering pot like i was keeping the lid on the saucepan it was all fine and then yeah i think in the space of like this one particular month i was in and out of hospital it must have been at least 15 times or just by myself and it was yeah it was just it wasn't getting good and i finally opened up to someone saying oh i think i've got a problem not saying maybe a problem with alcohol but i said i think i've got a problem like in my life yeah. Um, and then that was kind of the start of trying to change my life, really. So by admitting it to someone else. Yeah. yeah. Um, and this was when you were at uni, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was at the uh, coming up to the end of first year. Um, and so did yeah. you, if you hadn't gone to uni, do you think things would have got so bad? Oh, I well, uh, that, that's an interesting question. I think... Um, I, before uni, I could see myself still going down this road. Um, but, um, obviously the, the uni I went to is like a drama school and it uh, plays a lot on your sort of, um, inner thoughts and stuff like that. And like, you have to get into characters and dive into characters that are alcoholics and like all this sort of thing. Um, so I think it like, it kind of threw a, threw a mirror up to me. Um, and I, and I sort of denied it at first. I was like, maybe taking the piss out of it. It's kind of saying, you know um yeah it's just yeah just kind of laughing about it and all that sort of thing um but yeah if I, if I didn't go to uni it probably probably would have happened but not maybe that soon if you know what I mean yeah so it kind of speeded up the process of um of actually becoming a real issue yeah yeah it, it accelerated it for, for sure and can you just just for the people listening, me and Charlie have had this conversation before. Not this conversation, but we actually have recorded one episode, which 
um, you know, we decided to re-record. We've got a new format for the podcast now. So that's why I'm able to, <laughs> that's, that's why I know so much about Charlie. But can, can you kind of elaborate a little bit more about, about your past? So um, how you grew up, um, some of the, the kind of the, the issues that you faced when you were younger, because I know these, but I think the, the, view, the, the listeners will be kind of really quite interested yeah. to know as well. Um, so, I mean, like most kids of like sort of my generation, like it was a broken up family sort of thing. Mum and dad split up and um, one of the parents wanted to move to like the other side of England. So I was kind of split between like 350 miles, one in Kent and one in Plymouth. Um, and yeah, so um, cult- drinking culture was kind of definitely in my dad's side of the family. Didn't really know my mum's side of the family that well. Um, uh, my nan and pops kind of um, before my pops got ill kind of recently uh, he was like in the pub trade and stuff like that and they've you know it's just always kind of been there um, and yeah I think like you know my dad gave me the first kind of sip of alcohol at like nine ten on a, like a little holiday <laughs> me too yeah. me too yeah and so, and, and it just kind of spiraled from there, obviously. So you've done the whole thing, I'm guessing, sitting in parks, getting smashed. And, um, oh, yeah. And could you always, like, were you always a drinker? Because I know that, you, you know, you, you, you weren't really big on the drugs. Um, it, was, it was more alcohol for you, wasn't it? Yeah, so I think, my, like, it was kind of my first love in a way, like, alcohol. It was, like, it was just great. Um, and I wasn't, no, I wasn't, I, uh, drugs for me wasn't in my um at first like sort of thing it just um yeah because everyone in my family done like alcohol and stuff so and we just kind of saw that as um a bit of water so it's like do you know what i mean so it's, it wasn't yeah. like a bad thing to do do you know what i mean yeah yeah um so yeah i mean and it was always like you could do competitions with alcohol like trying how much vodka can you do a beer bong in when you're 15 or something and like um you know <laughs> and all this yeah and all this sort of thing and getting myself like and it's celebrated as well, isn't it? Like when, when you get pissed up for the first time and your parents yeah. might go, oh, yeah, you know, that that was funny, you doing that. I always. remember that, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, it's definitely more alcohol and it was, yeah, them stupid things you've done when you're, like, first coming <laughs> a teenager and all that sort of thing, you know? So, um, yeah, um, so you, you stopped drinking due to health issues. Uh, and what tools or techniques did you use? Um, how did you go sober? So, I think one, it was like, like I said before, like it was kind of, I saw my health really decline in myself, hmm. and uh, despite kind of having this self destruction of my body, like drinking loads of alcohol, which I didn't know at the time or whatever, um, I'm a quite, um, I worry about my health quite a lot. So when I saw it, like really kind of get um starting to get fucked up or whatever um i uh yeah it was like my first tactic was to be like right what what's going on um and i think yeah that first admitting to someone that maybe my life is not going the way i want it to go and i was a tutor at my uni um the tactics were basically you know one to kind of admit that i need to sort something out and then 
the other thing is then just to have like a, a bit of a plan of structure of how I'm going to do it. Obviously, it, it didn't, didn't work for me like first time. I didn't like go to my first AA meeting and then like I've been sober ever since. Like I relapsed, yeah. uh, you know, four or five times. Yeah. Um, um, but then you got like, it's also not like um, beating yourself up about it as well for me because then that just plays into your mental health. Like that, that first relapse for me, I felt like, oh, you know, fuck it. What's the point? Like, yeah, the fucking, I can't do this anyway. I may as well just go out and get fucked. Yeah, I might, as well yeah. Just go, yeah I might as well just yeah. do this until I die sort of thing. Like, because um, I thought I never was going to achieve it. So, mm. yeah, it's, it's, it's such a, it's, it always looks really, really far away until you're there. And then once yeah. you're there, like, as you see, you know, I introduced you as 18 months sober and you were like, fucking hell, yeah, I guess so. Like, yeah. It, it's, it's sober is always so far away when you're when you're an addict or, or, or when you're not sober and then once you're there it, the days just fly by it's yeah. um it's, yeah. it's crazy man so um you you were homeless for a bit weren't you oh uh, so, yeah i was yeah yeah and that um, just before uni was it yeah so it was yeah just before uni i was i kind of um it was when i was 18 um i was kind of like yeah in this like temporary homeless house um yeah. sort of thing and uh <laughs> that, that was an interesting place to live for a bit i can tell you that <laughs> oh, man, yeah i can imagine was that in london um so that was um so i've been kind of like i've done like i've, I've done two stints of being homeless one in plymouth and one in london um yeah and so my first one was in plymouth um so it's just like yeah even more rural it was just like in the middle <laughs> yeah. of nowhere really <laughs> Do you know what i mean yeah uh, how did that affect your drinking? Oh, that, yeah, that, that just spiked up because the thing is with like homeless houses, unfortunately as well, it's not like you can pick a house and be like, yeah, I'll be on Hampstead Heath, please, um, sort of thing. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You kind of get chucked into a place where there's other people, like in my particular house, my first house, um, there was like, you know, a crack addict in there uh, and sort of like... Um, a Valium taking like person who just like loved his Valium and then like these two girls that were just always on weed sort of thing. So like that's also the environment. It's not the environment that you can be like, yeah, let's go on like a vegan diet. Like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it, it just kind of, it made it even more normal when you're seeing like someone OD on the kitchen floor or something. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, yeah, oh yeah. yeah, that's kind of, that's, that's that. And you move on. And did you, did you like kind of looking back now would you class yourself in the same bracket as those your other flatmates like at the time did you did did you because obviously at the time you, you you had a drinking problem didn't you yeah but you wouldn't you but you kind of did you think you were you know not as bad as them oh yeah absolutely i thought i, was, I thought i was just you know air quotes normal do you know what i mean i just thought <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, I wasn't as bad as anyone else, or I, well, I, to be honest, I didn't even think about it. I just kind of thought, you know, they do that thing. I don't really do it. You know, I wasn't ODing on the kitchen floor. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but you might be so, paralytic one night in throwing up in your bedroom or something. Yeah, but yeah. then you kind of thought that was normal. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. So yeah, yeah, it's it's um, which is crazy to think back now. Yeah. But... Yeah. Um, so you went to AA. Yeah. You went to AA for how long until you became sober? 
how long did it take to kind of get there? Uh, a year and a half um, before I decided, well, not decided, before like I had the willpower to push through to where I am now. Because um, you relapsed a few times, right? Yeah, relapsed a few times um, in in the first 15 months. And then like obviously having their moments of like saying, fuck it, I'm not going to AA again. And then like a month later, yeah. you're kind of crying in your, in your bedroom by yourself going, <laughs> I think I need to go back. <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? Yeah, it's good like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so obviously that, that was kind of the biggest help that was the, the the main thing that really allowed you to 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 face up to the fact that you might have a problem and 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 then go sober, right? Yeah. Was there anything else? Was, was there anything um, in particular that that you used or helped you? I think um, no. For me, it was like it was just AA. I like I said, I didn't I didn't really um, uh, tell anyone of my friends and all that in particular. Um, yeah. The ones I did say. At, especially in the first 15 months the ones I did tell they were like oh no you're not an alcoholic sort of thing so I really had to kind of like stick it by myself go to AA sort yeah. of thing and whatever the only other yeah. thing that probably pushed me through is my love for the job I want to do so yeah. um, I knew I couldn't um, maybe live the way I'm, I was living um, yeah. and, 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 and the job you want to do is, is you want to be the next Tom Hardy right? <laughs> yeah absolutely <Go. laughs> yeah I right. will be I'll, the next time I would eat. No. I'll race you there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, cool, man. And, and and it's you know that that kind of brings me on to my next question, which is what is life like now? And um, mm. you know now now that you are sober, so obviously hitting your goals and and kind of achieving your dreams, you're about to graduate. Yeah. Um, so I guess that's just another kind of tick in the box of of good life during sobriety. Yeah, mate. Yeah, it's um. Yeah, I've been ticking boxes ever since I've been like sober. Really, it's been great. Yeah. Um, you know, I've got a, a wonderful like sort of acting agent. I've nearly like I'm a week away from the today we're, as we're recording this from graduating. Sick. Might be getting like I'm predicted to get a first, which I'd never thought go I'd on. get. Go on, <laughs> on the boy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, come man. on, come on. And then. Uh, and then yeah, and then like yeah, just me and myself, yeah, just kind of yeah, pretty sweet. So, um, yeah, it's it's, it's amazing now. And of. what tips or advice would you give to people who, you know, they might be you a few years ago? Um, uh, don't be scared of your own thoughts. Um, everyone has them. Do you know what I mean? You're not the only one. Whatever's ticking in there, I can guarantee you sort of like that everyone, like there's someone else out there who's having maybe them thoughts. Um, mm. Definitely, I think the, one of the biggest achievements is to reach out, even if it's to that one person or whatever. Um, yeah, like so you did with your shooter. Yeah, so even if you're, um, even if you may be sitting there going like, you know, I've got, you're not, you don't think you're achieving anything or anything like that. Um, the biggest achievement in your life you could probably do is to just to admit that maybe you've got a problem. Um, yeah. So, you know, if you can do that step, you can do any step really. Sick. All right, mate. Um, right. Now comes the time of the podcast where we're going to chat a little bit more generally about the UK drinking culture, about addiction, about recovery. Yeah. Um, and the topic this week 
Um, even just during some of your answers now, you, you kind of really have t started to touch on, on the mental health um, aspect of, of addiction and recovery. And yeah. that is, is what I wanted to discuss a bit further. So, um, you know, so often um, addiction can actually be like a symptom of, of mental health issues and or, or mental health issues can be a trigger towards addiction issues. Um, so how has going sober affected your mental health? Um, yeah, it's kind of like a, it's like a two sides of a coin, really. Um, and I've always said this in a sense of um, becoming sober was the best thing you could do, but um, you do, especially in the first sort of six months, I would say, for me anyway, you get faced with all these things that you were numbing alcohol with. Um, and for me, that was just mental health and a lot of things I like were just hiding away for. And that, that's, that's probably why maybe you, um, or maybe people and especially me like relapsed, um, just because you didn't want to think about it anymore at the time or whatever. Yeah. Cause it um, all builds up and, and, and you you know, you spent the last five or six years not dealing with stuff and then to deal with it all in six months is quite yeah. intense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I think it's it's kind of like um it's the hardest bit i think because you just got to try and because there's no like um you know you can go to aa and all that sort of thing but unless you've got like money to maybe get like a really good therapist that you can see whenever you want or whatever yeah um you have got to kind of sit there in your room and think oh like unpick your own brain or like why yeah. you feel like this or whatever do you know what i mean um yeah so yeah but then equally once you do like start like handling one aspect of your mental health or understanding one bit it then furthers your sobriety even more to the point where i am today very very sort of um like i wouldn't say i'm done but like and i don't think you'll ever will be done in a sense yeah. but like like i'm so much more sort of relaxed and sort of more you're comfortable in your sobriety basically you're not yeah, you're not like yeah. an addict trying to not drink you're just a guy yeah. who doesn't drink yeah, I'm not yeah. on my toes. I can just kind of sit and yeah. chill. And so, because I am, for the listeners out there, I am seven months sober. So I'm about a year behind you, Charlie. And I am... Well done. Uh, <laughs> thanks, man. That's I fine, man. am going through what you just described. So I'm kind of having to, to become more mentally resilient to my own thoughts. Um, yeah. You know, I spent seven or eight years you know heavily into cocaine and um mm. all drugs all drugs and alcohol like you know alcohol was, was my trigger to that but coke was the one thing that i just couldn't put down um yeah. and you know yes yeah, so seven months it's sober the the, the the kind of the strength that i've built it of in myself of my own thoughts as well as the kind of the actual development of my who i am as a person and and mm facing some of my old traumas and um it's it's crazy and, and it's something you'd never do until you stop drinking even if you're not an addict you know even if you're yeah you're not someone who who you know drinks because of an addiction um i reckon anybody could benefit from two or three months so but one month is i don't think long enough i did dry january before it didn't really do anything yeah um because all you're doing is looking forward to that day that you can go and have a drink 
Whereas yeah, if you if you just go right, I'm going to stop until I see a difference, rather than putting a time limit on it, because then it's like all you would do is you get to that day and you go out the next day and you're smashed. Um, but you know it's it is crazy, kind of the 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 realizations that you have about your own self and your own past and why you do things, um, things that you might have thought never affected you in the first place suddenly they're still bubbling in the back of your head and you're thinking I, why do i even remember that why why would why do i keep thinking about this thing which mm. which shouldn't affect me it was such a small thing at the time but then do you, do you know what i mean it's just one of those niggling thoughts and then you actually have to go right let me stop and let me kind of sit down and actually work out what is going on in my head and obviously yeah. it was mental health week last week um yeah and you, you know i can definitely trace a lot of my um my 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 kind of path into addiction i think was littered with unresolved mental health problems or traumatic experiences and things that i just never spoke about with anyone i just blocked it out with with drugs and alcohol and in a similar way to i think what you were doing and i think that the whole world you know the whole country and the whole world in fact is is using alcohol to kind of shield their own selves from 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 kind of understanding themselves yeah do you do you have you ever seen a a therapist um not uh i well yeah yeah but like not um <laughs> it's 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 a weird one isn't it um i've like there's loads of free ones so luckily obviously being in the capital um there's mm. quite a lot of resources here in the sense of there's like um, free little one-day counsellors you can go and see, like um, Sick. Uh, the thing called a caravan in the in the in the centre near, uh, I think it's Saint Martin's Church or somewhere like that, where you can just like kind of pop in um, and stuff like that. But um, and I've done a little bit of CBT, uh, C, uh, yeah, CBT um, through like the doctors, but then that obviously takes a while. Um, Is that uh, cognitive behavioural therapy? CBT? Yeah, 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 and that obviously kind of. Yeah, so I've I've done a few bits and bobs, and that they're they're since I've been um, sober, um, sort of like before before sober, um, it was like when I was at school, it was like you need to go and see anger management or whatever, yeah yeah, you know what I mean? we've all been there yeah <laughs> yeah yeah do you know what yeah. I mean so um in a sense yeah so it's it's um it is a it's a it's a weird one, and I, I, yeah. I do feel I, I definitely agree what you said about um. You know, it can definitely enhance you going into addic- uh, like addictive behaviour because yeah. of you, you can't maybe cope with it or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so now, you know, you're, you're, it's, I'm, I, I do, you, I feel very kind of like raw at the moment. Like I'm very susceptible, like just because of the amount of um, things that you're from 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 my past i'm trying to deal with and like the longer the addiction was the the i think the longer the recovery is of of trying to deal with your own mental health um absolutely but i'll tell you what's helped a lot is this podcast actually um Mm. not only just from because you know i have to talk about myself basically on this podcast as well as talk to other people it is a bit like a bit of therapy yeah um but also the kind of just the general support and love that you I've, I've been getting from people, this podcast, the Instagram page. Um, it's just really nice. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's just, it's super kind of reassuring that first of all, people are listening to what I'm trying to do and that it's actually affecting, you know, it's, it's having a positive effect on people. Um, 
in a similar way to I think you know when you went to your first AA meeting, not maybe yeah. not the first one, but the first time you spoke in an AA meeting. Yeah. You know, you know, when you when you leave that you leave that room and you're thinking like you're just bouncing. You're there like, Phew. Feel, yeah. you feel great, man. You got the, you know, a big weight off your shoulders. I remember yeah. my first CAA meeting was exactly the same as that. The first time yeah. I spoke about myself, and you just, you just feel like so, so light, and every, mm. like like there's a big heavy burden off you. And I, yeah, man, I I just I, I would recommend it to anybody, anyone who's got a little, you know, who, who thinks they have a problem with with drugs, alcohol, get into a meeting and and see what it's like just talking about yourself openly. Because um, I feel yeah. like that's something that I was never—I was not—I wasn't—I wasn't encouraged. I just never wanted to. And to this day, mm. I'm still very quite a closed-off person, and I'm not really big on talking to people face to face about my emotions. But then, on <laughs> when it comes yeah. to someone on Zoom or you know someone I don't know, it's so much easier. Yeah, um, I think I think it's, it's good to like sort of recognise when when you do flourish because like um, you know it's it's mad in our culture that we like support isn't really a big thing that we we have but um and maybe that is kind of always about but the minute someone gives support and it, it doesn't even need to be like you know oh come on i'll help you do it it, it literally can just be like oh well done mate you're doing all right and that little yeah. sentence can kind of can really like just propel you into the next week next day whatever um yeah and, uh, yeah, you never really know what what effect that, that you know that little bit of kind words will have. Yeah, and uh, it's and it's yeah it's, it is. If you're listening to this, be nice to people. <laughs> be yeah. nice. Yeah, just, just be, be nice. nice to people, man. It's it's you, you never know what that bit of kindness is gonna what it's gonna have, what effect it will have on someone. Um, Charlie, I want to ask you some some direct questions from the public now. The fans, yep. the future fans of, of Charlie Hepton's store. <laughs> uh, <laughs> AKA uh, the next Tom Hardy. Yeah. Um, so you've already answered this one, which was, did you relapse? So I crossed yeah. that one out. You have relapsed several times. Uh, what did you do to manage cravings? Oh, interesting. I think um, at the start, um, uh, I ate loads of like sweets or chocolate they always say that the AA meetings I went to they always said you know if you're if you're craving something like have sweets you know, in the house yeah yeah just like get eat a chocolate bar or just drink some water you know um, they always say like you know before like the craving it's generally because your body wants something um, if you go in scientific so just like yeah. get a bit of water down you or just eat a bit of food um, but then I had to kind of stop eating loads of chocolate because my diet. <laughs> You're putting a bit of weight. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, don't... <laughs> of course. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. but it, it so... worked for me at the start. So yeah. You know. What did you do? Turn into nuts or something? Peanuts. Yeah, well, yeah. I just, I, like, I'm, I'm quite. I, I do love being healthy, like, um, and active. Yeah. So, like, you know, I just make sure, make sure, like, I've got like a, like, either a protein shake if I'm going out for a bit of a run or whatever. Yeah, do you know what yeah. I mean? Or like some like some like healthy sort of thing yeah so basically you didn't try and um just ignore it you just replaced what you were craving with something else so rather than yeah, i really want a beer you just find out i really want something let me have something yeah. else let me have that, yeah. that makes sense cool um how has lockdown affected your sobriety if if at all um do you know what it's been interesting um 
most my sobriety i think has been very much on the weight of like still being active every day and still kind of talking to people and going to meetings or whatever and lockdown i'm in like a room kind of by myself um mm. and like, i'm not living mad. with anyone um are you living alone so, yeah so like i mean oh, um <laughs> yeah yeah so like um so the first couple of weeks, actually, I, I started to get more cravings like I did back in like the first six months. And I think mm. it's just because like I kind of like I got cut off really from life. Um, yeah. And then so it, it was hard at the beginning. It really was. Um, but luckily, obviously, you know, I, I, you know, I kept to what I know and like all that sort of thing um, and tried to maybe text people and keep communicate like uh, like I, I rang my nan at ev- like me and my nan ring each other every day at seven o'clock like seven p.m. Call it the seven o'clock club and you know just you know, have a little <laughs> chat. So nice. um, so you know it's yeah, but it was yeah initially yeah it did take me back. I was a bit like oh bloody hell this is harder than I thought. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, how hard was it to stay sober during uni? Oh. So hard. Obviously, so hard. I don't. I don't know anyone who stopped drinking during uni, man. That must be a bit. That must be a big one. And huge. Answer this question, and then I'm gonna. I'm gonna throw one back at you after after you've answered this. So yeah, how hard was it to stay sober during uni? Really hard. Really, really hard. You have that. A couple of things would happen. You got other people that's like, oh, what about freshers? All this sort of thing. Like it's uni life. Drink, drink, drink. All that sort of thing. And that's how some of the times I would relapse, and people maybe not understanding because they're young as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Another thing is that you know your drink like one uh, one of the re- relapses was my drink got spiked. Um, really? Yeah. I, I, oh I had shit. A, I, yeah, I had a Fanta and um, someone, someone bought it something me or it. something, and it got spiked. And then obviously, once I had that sensation in me, I was just like, oh fuck it, no, actually I'm gonna go and do something else and all this sort of thing. Yeah. Um. So yeah, the culture of uni is mad, um, and it is hard to stop. But um, I think some of my peers saw that it was actually detrimental to me and then they kind of came on the same side as me and was there like actually you know we, we want to support him so they're actually you, you do get surprised by people you think everyone's going to be like oh no nah, fuck it but actually some people are like you know what no that's that's we're here to support you but that's only from yeah. opening up as well so you know yeah so that, that was so, so my next question was what was people's reactions to your sobriety during uni was mm. it kind of um, was was there like a because for me when, when I went sober there was like a really small group of people who were super super kind of had my back like my, yeah. my, my best mates they were like this is the best thing you're ever going to do and proper had my back then there was like the the kind of outer ring if you like of people who were like yeah I, I get that you know I appreciate that you're doing it but I didn't really understand why and yeah. then there was the guys who were just outside and I'm like oh just a bit jealous basically um, yeah. was it similar to you in uni or was a uni a bit different um i think the people that i became close with like through my first couple of months of being at uni they were the people and i'm not like having a go at them absolutely not but they were a certain they, they were the some of them people were the ones that were like oh no i don't think you're an alcoholic so then it was mm. almost like that to try and find new friends but then that's fine because that's just like life how it moves on and it's not their fault and all this sort of thing you just got to try and kind of um let life kind of do its own course um but yeah so at first um 
a lot of people were like, are you sure? And all this sort of thing. Obviously, I didn't tell any of my family. It was only my, like, a couple of my mates around me. And then, yeah, as it kind of went on, I found more close friends and they they had my back. And then, yeah, then it then it kind of became what you just said. So, But it, it took a few yeah. months to kind of settle down and, yeah, it to be the norm of what, what's going on. Yeah. Um, what was your biggest regret? Due to alcohol use. So oh. the biggest regret of the like the, the thing you regret most doing while drunk. Um, <laughs> you don't have to say this. Do you? Yeah, no, <laughs> if, it, just, if it's a proper bad one, you don't, you don't have to yeah, say. It. I think I think I'll probably just kind of like yeah sum it up in a way of like um, I've hurt a lot of people with yeah. my actions. Um, yeah. yeah. And that, and that is it, the regret of living that going off. Oh, I wish I, did, I wish I wasn't stupid to do that action. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So it's hurting friends that you just, you feel like you, you wish you didn't. Do you know what I mean? I get you. Yeah, man. I, I, I definitely know exactly what you're talking about there. Um, can you still go to the pub? So, um, recently, yeah, I, I can absolutely. And, um, I go there and, I have, you have a little fan, fan, uh, I have fan of red. <laughs> yeah. and I sit there and I take the piss out of everyone. Yeah. Um, and but I can only I, I didn't I did not achieve that on my own and I did not go in there on my own. Um, I went there with the friends that were supportive and yeah. they were all behind my back. Um, at, at first, like some of my friends were the only ones going up to the bar and getting me like a, a Fanta or a Coke, and yeah. so I didn't even have to go up to the bar and. Um, and then, yeah, and then, so yeah, I can still go to the pub and have a good time. And luckily, I'm quite out, like, I'm quite crazy and maybe outspoken. So I'm I, like, it's not like I, I don't have any fun as well. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I remember, I, I like this question because about three weeks after I decided I was going to be sober, um, so I hadn't been drinking for however long, two, three weeks. It was my, it was my 25th birthday. Um, oh, yeah. I <laughs> I had a big plan to go to the pub and, and I actually was going to hire a space and throw a rave um, but I just down downgraded to let's go to the pub uh, yeah. quite I, I guess quite full heartedly um, if, looking back at it now I probably wouldn't do that again that yeah. soon but I did it because I, I, I had a point to prove to myself basically um, yeah. the only way I was able to do it so I went to the pub I was in the pub for eight, maybe 8 hours um, but just drinking non-alcoholic beers the only way I was able to do that was because I had like two or three of my best mates were there and they were like, do you know what? We're not going to drink either. Um, So there was a little, that's proper, like, honestly, I got so much love for these guys, man. But but they were like, yeah, fuck it. You're not going to drink on your birthday. Why why would we eat? Like, we'll just, we'll just drink non-alcoholic beers with you. Um, And, and so, yeah, like, you know, pub for me is, is, I guess it was what that showed me was that I don't have to drink at the pub. And that was yeah. quite, I'm glad it happened quite early on because now I'm a bar manager. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, it would be, um, yeah, yeah. And I was a bar manager at the time as well. Like I have been for the last few years. So doing any kind of work around the bar, you, you know, you just drink all the time. But, exactly. Um, yeah, but, yeah. But I, it, it, you know, you <laughs> you go in for for twenty minutes to go solo, and you end up four drinks in. But yeah, I'm glad that I did kind of break that association of pub and alcohol, as in me drinking, um, quite soon. 
Yeah. Um, I think as long as you can break the associations that you have with things, it's you can pretty much do anything. Mm. Do, do you find that? So, how, so how, do, do you reckon you're at a stage now where you've broken your your um, association of, of drinking at the pub? Uh, yeah, I, I, I would say I have. Um, obviously, don't get me wrong, it still creeps in every now and then, but I mean... Of course, yeah, yeah. Like, but yeah, for the majority of it, um, absolutely. I just go there, um, have my soft drink, and then kind of, yeah, it's fine. And, I, and like you said, it's it's like the friends and all that that are there. I think when, when I became yeah. a year sober, um, had my year birthday, like... And a all of, um, yeah, well, we went, uh, <laughs> me and my mates... Um, yeah. In my like uni course, we went to have a Nando's and everyone bought a Fanta. That's um, sick. And we just sat there, had a Nando's and we just chatted and all that sort of thing. And everyone like no one, no one bought uh, a sort no of one had um, a drink. Yeah. No one bought an alcoholic drink and we just sat there and celebrated it. And that, and that for me, like obviously for them, it just is another Nando's sort of thing. And they saw all their yeah. friends. But for me, that was like such a massive impact i was like yeah you, uh, maybe they don't know or maybe they do but that uh, that will stay for me for a very long time um, yeah you know yeah so. I, tell, I tell you what man like you've definitely been you, you've, you've definitely experienced this now as a as a, have, have been being sober for so long but how annoying are drunk people man? like <laughs> <laughs> even oh, even like it. your best mates and you're like you're a fucking idiot <laughs> I, I, I went to Brighton on the weekend uh, with, yeah. with, two, with two of my pals went for another mate's birthday and I was driving so I drove down on, on, the, on Friday day and drove back on Friday night Yeah. and my two mates who I drove down I, I drove them down and they were drinking all day and they got in a car on the way home and I nearly just had to pull over on the M25 and tell them to get <laughs> up man like, <laughs> I was just so not in it it's crazy, man. Oh, mate, it is. And it helps. I tell you what, it helps so much. It just really puts you off, like, you know, look, looking at looking at drunk people behaving like idiots when they're drunk and being sober. You just go, yeah. fucking, thank God I don't do this shit anymore. Especially when you can get up the next morning and just do whatever you want as well. Yeah, you get up the next morning, laugh at them, and they're like, what? I don't even know what I did. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it's the worst. Um, so what was your relationship like with drugs? This is another question. Um, so I think it was, uh, it was just basically, um, didn't hit until a little bit later on, um, uh, cause I just didn't really want to do it. I just kind of loved alcohol in a sense. And then I probably, when I hit 17, probably I'd like, um, I'd only do it when I'm drunk. So it was like, for me, it was the other way around. It was the, it's always one way or the other with people. You got you got your sort of gateway thing that you always do and then it leaps into other aspects of your life. So yeah. drink for me was like the kind of foundation and then like as the years go on or maybe you get more and more like crazy or handle more drink, yeah. you can you make other yeah, decisions. Yeah, or the, the buzz from alcohol is not big enough and you and you want to yeah. Yeah, try and spice it up a little bit. Yeah, so then, yeah, it's kind of... But for me, it would never, like, I'd never wake up and be like, oh, I want to do, a, like, a line of cocaine or a bit of weed yeah, or anything. Yeah. I'd, I'd wake up and want drink, but then then at the end of the day, I'd probably might be, like, you know, smoking loads of weed with, like, or doing, like, my mate put in, like, um, a bit of MDMA just on my gums and all this sort of thing, like, and it just, like, and, it, you know, you just would allow it, do you know what I mean? So... Yeah. Um. Yeah. Cool. Um, and the last question before we kind of say goodbye. 
is how did your family react? Um, I think this is quite an important one. Yeah. Because yeah. It's, it's a big, I think a lot of people have a lot of fear about telling their parents because they, you know, they, oh, my mum's going to overreact or, or, you know, it's, it's just what, once you tell your mum, it's, it then becomes real. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. Um, <laughs> and especially to, I can imagine from, you know, the family of a, no, sorry, your family own a pub. So it's, it must've been a, a weird conversation. Yeah, I think um, it took me a while. I think the first 15 months where I was relapsing and stuff, I didn't tell them. And mm. then, um, and then I, and then I, I was in hospital once, and my mum came and saw me. And when I was on the hospital bed, um, I told my mum, "Oh, you know, I'm, I've, you know, I've got a drinking problem and all this sort of thing. I think I'm an alcoholic." And then she's, she, and I, I don't know why she just, she was like, she was just so accepting, and I was just like, she was like, "Oh, okay, cool." And then that was it. And then sort of like that kind of took me by surprise, and I only kind of initially told her. And then my uncle came to see me. Um, cause they live in Kent, my uncle and my auntie. And, um, I, and then I just sat down with them for ages, um, talking about all this stuff and all that. And they were just there like, well, whenever you like, whenever you need it, like just ring me up. And then mm. my dad, interestingly enough, I, I told him when he was drunk, cause that's the only time I <laughs> kind of, I, I had deep I, conversations I, with your dad. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? I have like, yeah, yeah. It's just me and my dad's relationship's an interesting one, but like, yeah, the the only time I really see him is when he's like either at a pub or something or drinking or whatever. Do you know what I mean? So, I think it must have been, I think it was this year. So it's still very late on. I told. Oh wow! Yeah. Yeah. So I told I told my dad this year, um, and. He, he was uh he, he took it how i thought he was going to take it he just went all oh, right yeah well maybe on my birthday you want to have a drink again and i was like no, I'm, I'm, <laughs> dad, I'm, I'm, I'm not i'm not going to drink anymore and he was like all oh, right all right well what do i buy on christmas then like do you still want to like a bit of like some cans or something and i was like and it, so, so he's like he's, he, he always checks if i want to drink yeah but but he kind of under he kind of like understands stands it in a way it's just his little weird way of getting in his head i suppose but yeah he, he just kind of like he just kind of just kind of went yeah and then technically i haven't really told like because my nan and pops which is my dad's mum and dad they're um to me they're um like my mum and dad they kind of brought me up they've always been there for me sort of thing yeah um, i haven't really initially told them but they kind of know do you know what i mean i think it's just like that sort that of unspoken mental. thing yeah. Yeah, and and obviously because they're on like they're, they're both like seventy, so I just found it hard to like even have that conversation. But I think you know they know that I'm doing it for my health, and hmm. it's kind of like that sort of conversation. But yeah, it's an interesting one. I think that that it it will surprise you if you do talk to your family. Obviously, there is it's like some people out there that when they say their family, it's like a complete no go shouting, and I you know I feel really yeah. Like, um, sorry for them people sort of thing and like luckily they know that the whole AA or CAA or NA we'll is all there and yeah, it yeah. Can get a new family sort of thing um, and that's what we're here for I guess as well but in the sense yeah family they will surprise you they yeah because I I still haven't kind of 
you know, my parents know that I used to drink a lot. Then now I'm sober now. They don't know really. They don't know the the, the scale of the the problem that I had. Yeah. The they don't know that it stuff. involved so much drugs. I think they just thought I'd just like to drink a lot. Yeah. Um, but I guess for me, I didn't. I didn't want to tell them straight away, just in case I relapsed. Yeah. I didn't want to. Now, now, now it's like for me. If if my mum was like walking now while we were having this chat, I wouldn't I wouldn't hold back anything I was saying. Do you know what I mean? If they listen to this podcast, which they they know exists, but they don't really know what it's about, and like, it just shows they haven't fucking listened yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, it's it's like yeah, I wouldn't hide it. But what I, my my plan is now is on the year on the twelve months, take them all out for dinner and go look. This is my chip. It's my CAA chip. It's it's, twice, it's a one year chip, and and it and then ask answer any questions. But because I feel like once it gets to a year, it's not a phase because I, I can just I can see, already see it in my dad's eyes going, oh yeah, four months over are you? And then just looking always like walking on eggshells and like um and and just basically worrying um, that I might kind yeah. of relapse and shit. But I think once you get to the year, I, I know personally like I would. I'm I, I'm I'm super comfortable now in my sobriety, and I don't think yeah. it was, I'm gonna get any more. So in the next five months, up to a year, because I think I, I'm quite untouchable at the moment. I don't know whether that's just me being silly because I'm only seven months sober, but um, but I feel like yeah, once I get to the year, it's then it's then a thing to to you know to be proud of and go, you know, this is how long I've done it. So now, so you have to take it seriously, I guess, because yeah. I I think going going to them after a month or two months and telling them. I don't think they take it so seriously. Um, I, I don't think. I think the year is such a, an amazing milestone. Um, yeah. And like, I think, you know, it's such a when you get to that. Yeah, people do take it more seriously, I suppose. And if you do anything for a year, people are going to be like, "Oh wow, he's really doing it." Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. You, you can't. You can't argue with that. That if someone's doing something for a whole year, they 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 yeah. are definitely doing it. Yeah. And the, the chips a special thing. So yeah, look forward to that. <laughs> Yeah, man. Sweet. Hopefully, we'll link up when uh, when we're out of lockdown as well, and and yeah, go absolutely. for a, go for a Fanta, mate. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. I reckon that this is bringing us to the end of the show, guys. Thank you for listening. Um, thank you very much, Charlie, for being on the podcast. Oh, um, you. If you guys want to know anything more about Charlie, Charlie, where can they find you? Um, uh, they can Insta. find me uh, Instagram. Yeah, just Charlie.heptonstall. Yeah, um, or you can like just just Google Tom Hardy and Charlie will be there. Uh, <laughs> uh, Charlie will be there in the background of one of the pictures. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, creeping from a bush. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, guys, thank you. This has been Sober Diaries. Next episode will be out next week. Um, thanks all for listening. listening to Sober Diaries hosted by me Angus Reynolds. If you'd like to appear as a guest on the podcast and talk about your experiences or you know someone who might please do let us know. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at Let's Talk Sobriety or you can email us directly Let's Talk Sobriety at gmail.com.